Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Listen as Pastor Michael Cox teaches on being holy sons and daughters. I was just trying to give people time to find it. Some people got them difficult Bibles, okay? First Peter, you got it? One, 13, starting in 13. I'm going to read from New American Standard Bible first. <laughs> Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Verse 14. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lust which were yours in your ignorance, but like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves in all your behavior. Because it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Verse 17, if you address as Father, the one who impartially judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves in fear during the time of your stay on earth, knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your feudal way of life inherited from your forefathers, but with precious blood as of a lamb, unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. For he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but has appeared in these last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God, since you have in obedience to the truth purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart. Verse 23, for you have been born again, not of seed, which is perishable, but imperishable. That is, through the living and enduring word of God. I think it's good that we learn a little bit of it today, if it's that important, don't you? Let's look at it in the Passion Translation. I try not to do this every time, but I want to read every verse I ever read from like three different translations. But I don't. But I am. So then, prepare your hearts and minds for action. Stay alert and fix your hope firmly firmly on the marvelous grace that is coming to you. For when Jesus Christ is unveiled, a greater measure of grace will be released to you as God's obedient children never again shape your lives by the desires that you followed when you didn't know better instead shape your lives to become like the holy one who called you for scripture says you are to be holy because I am holy Since you call on him as your heavenly father, the impartial judge who judges according to each one's works, live each day with holy awe and reverence throughout your time on earth. For you know that your lives were ransomed ransomed once and for all from the empty and futile way of life handed down from generation to generation. It was not a ransom payment of silver and gold, which eventually perishes, but the precious blood of Christ, who like a spotless, unblemished lamb, was sacrificed for us. This was part of God's plan 
For he was chosen and destined for this before the foundation of the earth was laid. But he has been made manifest in these last days for you. It is through him that you now believe in God who raised him from the dead and glorified him so that you would fasten your faith and hope in God alone. Now because of your obedience to the truth, you have been purified. You have purified your very souls and this empowers you to be full of love for your fellow believers. So express this sincere love toward one another passionately passionately and with a pure heart. Verse 23, For through the eternal and living word of God you have been born again. And this seed that he planted within you can never be destroyed but will live and grow inside of you forever. Last one in the message. So roll up your sleeves. Put your mind in gear. Be totally ready to receive, to receive the gift that's coming when Jesus arrives. Don't lazily slip back into those old grooves of evil. Doing just what you feel like doing. You didn't know any better then. You do now. As obedient children, let yourselves be pulled into a way of life shaped by God's life. A life energetic and blazing with holiness. God said, I am holy, you be holy. Verse 17, you call out to God for help and he helps. He's a good father that way. But don't forget, he's also a responsible father and won't let you get by with sloppy living. Your life is a journey. You must travel with a deep consciousness of God. It costs God plenty to get you out of that dead-end, empty-headed life you grew up in. He paid with Christ's sacred blood, you know, He died like an unblemished, sacrificial lamb. And this was no afterthought. Even though it it has only lately, at the end of the ages, become public knowledge, God always knew he was going to do this for you. It's because of this sacrificed Messiah, whom God then raised from the dead and glorified, that you trust God. That you know you have a future in God. Now that you've cleaned up your lives by following the truth, love one another as if your life depended on it. Your new life is not like your old life. Your old birth came from mortal sperm. Your new birth comes from God's living word. Just think, a life conceived by God himself. The life we are to live is a life that is conceived by God himself. There's no natural parameters to it. There's no natural causes to it. There's no something you can trace back to heritage or lineage that brought you to it. I I prayed over somebody today. God doesn't need a mom or dad. 
to establish in you what he wants to establish in you. It's great if mom and dads want to participate, but you're not disqualified because your mom and dad didn't participate in you being holy. Because you were born again. You have a new dad. And he's holy, so guess what? You're holy. God cares about us being holy. Now that verse says, you shall be holy because I'm holy. That's a command. And it's a confirmation. And it's a call. You know, there's a, I joke sometimes. People say, have a good day. And I say, don't tell me what to do. That's how ignorant it is when we get upset that God wants us to be holy. Hey, be complete and lacking nothing, Nolan. Have the fullness of the kingdom manifest in your life. Let your life be on earth as it is in heaven. Sweet bliss for eternity. Don't tell me what to do, God. God is such a controlling, dominant being. Always trying to mess with all my stuff. I like pain, God. I like doing relationships like this, God, because I love rejection. I love it when they fall apart. I love not listening to instruction, God, because I love going the wrong way. I love running into oncoming traffic, God. I love running through road close signs and falling into sinkholes, God. Don't tell me what to do. I want to be lacking. I want to be insufficient. I want to have less than everyone else around me, God. I like to be a victim. Because as long as I'm a victim... There's a whole lot less pressure. Because it's easy to establish ourselves as a victim in every situation. But he doesn't let us off the hook with that. He says, hey, be holy. Here we go. I knew this was, we had long prayer, and now he's talking about holiness. We've turned into an old Pentecostal church today. He's going, next week, he's going to have a suit on. <laughs> They're going to get the pews back out of storage. That's why they put them in storage. They're going to get them back out, and, and they're going to make... <laughs> they're going to make us take our hats off before we come in here. It's a command. Be holy. What kind of father would he be if he didn't say, hey, be holy. Hey, be full. Hey, be overflowing. Hey, don't have lack in your life. 
hey, be like me. Watch this. I'll show you. Hey, be what I created you for. Hey, be what I crucified your brother for. Hey, be everything I made you to be. What kind of negligent father just says, hey, do whatever you want. I don't really care. I don't really have a lot of purpose or intentionality for your life anyway. I was just bored one day, saw some dirt, whipped it together, and there you were. It's one of the other guys. If we're created by a loving father with purpose and intention, we better expect him to give us some instruction and commands. So it's a command. Be holy, for I am holy. It's a confirmation. What's that terrible TV show, that gossip show that says, you are not the father? Murray, or Murray, Murray, Jerry, no, I don't. Let's don't even talk. It's not even good to talk about such things like that. It's so bad. It's a confirmation. It's a paternity test. He says, you shall be holy, for I'm holy. Duh. You know what I mean? Like, this baby John's going to have, like, I don't have to see it and pray about it and tell you all this stuff to know what DNA it's going to have. I already know. Our baby going to have our DNA. I don't have to project a bunch of stuff on him and say, hey, man, because I'm this, you got to do all this stuff. It's just who he is. He's going to be a carrier of the gospel. That's who he is. That's his DNA. That's the lineage he was born to. And so when you're born again, you have a new father. And it's just, duh, you have a different DNA now. You're born again. So it's a command and it's a confirmation. Look at Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Verse 3. I'm going to read this from the Passion. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm has already been lavished upon us as a love gift from our wonderful heavenly Father. The Father of our Lord Jesus, all because he sees us wrapped into Christ. This is why we celebrate him with all our hearts. Verse 4, and he chose us to be his very own, joining us to himself even before he laid the foundation of the universe. Because of his great love, he ordained us so that we would be seen as holy in his eyes with an unstained innocence. Hey, just be what I made you because I already made you holy. Because when you were born again, you, were, you became holy. So just be that. God, just be that. Just be what I made you. And don't change it. Mm. You hear that? And don't change it. That's why it's such a powerful force to try to change who God made you to be. 
in the natural and the spiritual. So prevalent in these last days, never heard of before, people trying to change who God made them to be. Just be holy. Don't try to be his son and be something else. Just be who you are. He's made us unstained. We're holy in his eyes with an unstained innocence. DJ, did you hear that? Holy in his eyes with an unstained, from our conversation the other day, an unstained innocence. For it was always in his perfect plan to adopt us as his delightful children. Through our union with Jesus, the anointed one, so that his tremendous love that cascades over us would glorify his grace for the same love that he has for his beloved one, Jesus, he has for us. Did you hear that? And this unfolding plan brings him great pleasure. Since we are now joined to Christ, we've been given the treasures of redemption by his blood. The total, somebody say total. total. You know what total means in the Bible? Total cancellation of our sins. All because of the cascading I just like that word more than I've ever liked it before when I read it in this verse. Come on. Cascading. I like water anyways. I just put the toilet seat down, sit in the bathroom, turn the shower on, study in there. I like water, okay? So I just like the cascading image, all right? Cascading riches of his grace. I mentioned DJ's name because we were talking on Friday and this just le leapt out to me and a lot of today came from a lot of stuff the guys shared with me on Friday. I mean, it just, it just sparks some stuff in me. But we'll be seen as holy in his eyes with an unstained innocence. We were talking the other day about what people are taught in church that it's very important that we modify our behaviors so that we never get stained because it's much easier to be clean if you never get stained now we got noble intentions with that so that we can by fear and manipulation keep people from doing wrong things so we grow up tell them if you mess up then you're going to be diminished how damaging is that when they mess up which all people do so I don't think that's a very good thing to teach children. I think it's a good thing to teach children that through the blood of Jesus, he washes away all of our stains. And he makes us holy as he is holy. And he restores to us our ultimate innocence. And he purifies us and he cleans us. What kind of prideful doctrine is that? that says you can somehow live a life without stain, therefore you need less of Jesus' blood to cover you than some others do. Let me help you. You were born completely and utterly destroyed and stained because of a choice of those that come on before you. So if you somehow think there's a path forward that demands less of the cross, you're in trouble. 
because we're born needing every bit of the cross. If there is a path that needed less of the cross, we would have been given less of a cross. Maybe the, the beard plucking might have been taken off. The reed smacking when he's blindfolded saying, guess who we are? Some of the aspects of the cross, if it wasn't all needed, would have been taken off. God didn't allow one thing to happen to his son that wasn't entirely necessary for your salvation. I promise you that. If there was one hair in his beard that didn't need to come out, all of humanity couldn't have pulled it out. He ain't playing. We're all completely and utterly stained and need the fullness of all God did for us to wash it away. And I saw this picture talking to him the other day. God took the beard of his son. You know that whatever God allows, it's just as if he did it because he could stop anything. He only allows what he can use for your good and his glory. He doesn't cause it, but he allows it. So in essence, God took his own hand, reached down, ripped the beard out of his faces, his son's face. Got a cup, held it to the side of his son, and let the blood and water pour into it when they pierced his side. Came to your sin-stained life, made a brush out of the beard of his son, and he poured that blood and that water over the stains of your life. And he got down on his hands and knees with the beard of his son and scrubbed you till you were clean. That's the picture of what he did on the cross. He ain't playing. I dare us get upset because then when he tells us, hey, if you kind of wouldn't mind, will you just be a little bit holy like I did all that to make you? Come on. If you resist holiness, you don't know what holiness is. If you knew what it was, you'd desire it with every depth of your being. Oh, my goodness. Colossians 1 13 through 22. He has rescued us completely from the tyrannical rule of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom realm of his beloved son. For in the son all our sins are canceled and we have the release of redemption through his very blood. He is the divine portrait, the true likeness of the invisible God and the firstborn heir of all creation. For, though the son, for through the son everything was created, both in the heavenly realm and on the earth. All that is seen and all that is unseen. Every seat of power, realm of government, principality, and authority. 
authority. It was all created through him and for his purpose. He existed before anything was made, and now everything finds completion in him. He is the head of his body, which is the church, and since he is the beginning and the firstborn heir in resurrection, he is the most exalted one, holding first place in everything. For God is satisfied to have all his fullness dwelling in Christ, and by the blood of his cross, everything in heaven and earth is brought back to himself, back to its original intent, holy, restored to innocence again. Even though you were once distant from him, living in the shadows of your evil thoughts and actions, he reconnected you back to himself. He released his supernatural peace to you through the sacrifice of his own body as the sin payment on your behalf so that you would dwell in his presence. And now there is nothing, everybody say nothing, nothing. between you and Father God. For he sees you as flawless and restored. Hebrews 2, 9 through 12. But we see Jesus, who as a man lived for a short time lower than the angels, and has now been crowned with glorious honor because of what he suffered in his death. For it was by God's grace that he experienced death's bitterness on behalf of everyone. It was by God's grace that he experienced death's bitterness. You ever said there's just no grace for that? There must just, there must just not be any grace for that. It hurts too bad. <laughs> you just imagine Jesus saying, oh, wait a minute. We just, we just left grace a little bit. There's no grace for this part of the crucifixion. It hurts. There was nothing more empowered by the grace of God than Jesus on a cross, yet it hurt. And it was the ultimate sacrifice and the ultimate pain. Don't confuse grace for some passive, pleasurable experience. It's the power of God that invokes the kingdom of God through the lives of believers, acting in obedience, having the same mind in themselves that was in Christ, becoming obedient even unto death to see the kingdom of God manifest in its fullness. That's the grace of God. At work in you. For now he towers above all creation. For all things exist through him and for him. And that God made him pioneer of our salvation. Perfect through his sufferings. For this is how he brings many sons and daughters to share in his glory. Jesus, the Holy One, makes us holy. And as sons and daughters, we now belong to his same Father. Look at this. I don't know how I missed this many times reading Scripture. So he is not ashamed or embarrassed to introduce us as his brothers and sisters. We're not the crazy uncle or, you know, Ann or whatever. 
Jesus is proud to introduce us as his brother. Golly. For he has said, I will reveal who you really are to my brothers and sisters. And I will glorify you with praises in the midst of the congregation. He tells dad, dad, I got this. I'm going to get my brothers and my sisters. I'm going to reveal who you are. And they're going to see your DNA in me. And they're going to turn their hearts to you. And they're going to accept the adoption. And they're going to cry, Abba, Father. And they're going to accept our same DNA. And for all eternity, we're going to be one happy family. I'm going to get them, Dad. I'm going to get them, Dad. I'm going to get them. I'm going to go get them. Hey, hold my spot. I'll be back. But put some more chairs out. Because I'm bringing some with me. Matthew chapter 3, 16 and 17. Our guys started in Matthew this week, and they'll read the entire New Testament this year. Amongst much other stuff. But they were sharing some parts of what they read with us on Friday. And this leapt out to me. After being baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water. And behold, the heavens were open. And he saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove and lighted on, lighting on him. And behold, a voice out of heaven said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And asking one of the guys, what do you hope to accomplish in this year? They said, I hope to get to the place where God can say, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. You know what I said? You can go home today. If he uses the term son or daughter when he references you, it can't be followed by anything other than in whom I'm well pleased. Because you can't be a son or a daughter unless you accept the price his son made for you to engraft you in. And if you've accepted that, then you're covered by his blood. And he loves you like he loves his son. And he's proud of you like he was proud of his son. So we're done. Well, that's not what earthly fathers do. He's not our earthly father. You can't project any relationship on this planet to him. All we can hope to do is get in line with him and love like him. So our sons and daughters can get a little glimpse of his nature through us.
Look at it in the Passion. Then suddenly the voice, I'm going to start in verse 17. Then suddenly the voice of the Father shouted from the sky, saying, This is the Son I love, and my greatest delight is in Him. If you're in the family, that's what He's screaming from the sky about you. That is my daughter, in whom I find my greatest delight. In the message, this is my son, chosen and marked by my love. Delight of my life. I seriously contemplated today bringing my letter that I wrote from God to me on my quest several years ago. Now, I don't think I've ever read it publicly. But I could not fathom God saying those words about me. Until just a few years ago. But once he revealed that to me, his heart for me, no situation, circumstance, or failure can take it back away from me. I still mess up. I still handle things wrong. I still am not perfect. And in my eyes, I'm not holy. But he says, yeah, you are. Contrary to popular belief, you can't just make a choice and change your DNA. You are who he made you to be. And if you've surrendered yourself back to him and been born again, you are conceived by him. And you carry his DNA. guess we'll have to make it two parts. <laughs> I always think I can go faster, but I, under, I underestimate the sweetness of this place and the ease at which preaching comes here. And the fullness at which revelation comes here. That always multiplies what I feel I'm going to share. We have something special together. You know what I realized about this, what God said about Jesus? If you look over, it doesn't specifically show you the miracle of the water being turned to wine, which we know is Jesus' first miracle. That's not there in the same place. 
But if you go over to John chapter 2, you'll see where John the Baptist is talking about the fact that he, he's, he's talking about that event where he baptized Christ. And the Spirit ascended like a dove. He's talking about that event in John chapter two, and in John chapter, I might be, it might be one and two or three and four, but it's the chapter before he turned water to wine. So really, Jesus hadn't done anything yet. Hadn't done all the big stuff yet. Hadn't done all the billboard stuff yet. Hadn't even turned a little water into wine yet. He had driven some nails, sawed some boards, made some birdhouses. I'm not mocking. I'm just, whatever carpenters did, that's what he had done up until that point. Hadn't healed one sick person yet. Wasn't a renowned speaker. Hadn't had not one sermon on any mount. Hadn't, hadn't multiplied any bread or fish. Hadn't done anything. And he said, this is my son. When he's driving those nails, I just get tore up inside. I get so tickled. It's my son in whom I find delight. You know, it's a command, but the way it's worded, you shall be holy, it's like, you shall have such and such DNA because I have it. I mean, it's just straightforward. And it's a call. which I'll talk about later. But it's a command and it's a confirmation that we should be happy to embrace. Can you stand up with me today as we leave? Man, I did good. Four minutes past what I said. Everybody okay? Did you survive extended worship and prayer and a sermon? Wow, we just made history today. That list you've got, that list you've got of things that you're going to do, so that he'll be proud of you? Who's got one of those lists? Come on, be honest. Who's got one of those lists? That list you've made up for yourself? The enemy of your soul has helped you write a list that you need to do to please God. He's actually came in and made you think you've got these noble causes and these noble things and these divine things, and he's robbing you of the affirmation of your father. He's just putting it off. Because you know what? You'll never get them all done. So he just keeps adding to your list. Noble causes. Noble causes. Oh, this will be good. This will be good. This will be good. And you're like, oh, thank you, Lord. You're showing me great stuff. 
Let's take that list today. You know what he wants you to do? Run to him. Prodigal son came to his right mind when he was in a pig pen. He said, if I go back home, I'll tell my dad I'm not worthy to be called. Your son, just make me a slave. Make me a slave to religion. Make me a slave to task and to-do list. Make me a slave to try to gain your approval for the rest of my days. I'll be okay with that as long as you feed me some stuff. Over half the people who claim Christ are living life like that. They've got a pig pen built in the corner of their expansive room in the kingdom, in the palace, yet they've relegated themselves to a small place in a pig pen, out of place, out of order, illegally. So he gets to his father, and his father runs to meet him. Luke chapter 15, if you're taking notes. And he gets to his father, and he starts his speech. I love it's the passion or the, or, or the message. One of them says he starts his speech just as he rehearsed. And he starts it and he says, Father, in this moment I just got something dropped on me. He messes up when he starts his speech because he calls him Father. Remember the first, the first verse we read says, If you call him Father... That's your responsibility. Just call him father. As minute you acknowledge him as father, you become a son or a daughter. So he was going to be a slave, but he got his language messed up. He didn't realize what he's doing. And he runs up to his father, and he says, Father, I'm not worthy to be your son. I'm a slave, but he didn't realize that just him running to the man and calling him father and acknowledge that he's the source of all worth and fulfillment of his life automatically made him and met all the requirements to be a son or to be a daughter. And so he couldn't be a slave. So he starts his speech. And I love the message. It says, but the father wasn't even listening. And he just turns to him and he says, hey, get the fat, kill the fatted calf. Get the golden ring. Get a robe. My son was once dead, but now he's alive. Tonight, we're going to party like it's 1995. All you got to do is take that list. That rehearsed speech that you've been waiting to make when you get back in church. That prayer you pray every time you get you mess up and you make a new deal with God. God, now I'm going to do this and this and this and this. And if I do that for six months, will you give me... Take that list, throw it away, and just say, Dad, I'm coming home. <laughs> All you got to do is call him Dad and go home.
He's got the rest. Prayer team, if you'll come. Anybody today just wants to say, Dad, I'm coming home. Would you come to the front right now? Just come to the front right now. I don't always do this, but today I think somebody just needs to make the steps of coming home. I think it's important that you make the steps of coming home. Just make the steps of coming home. I'm coming home. I'm coming home. Well, I've not really been gone, or I've not really been... If you've been living anything outside of, if you've had a list, then you need to come home. If you've had a list at all, you need to come home. Now, everybody in the room raised their hand, but nobody wants to come home. No, if you've got a list, you need to really come home. You need to get out of the pig pen outside the home and come on in the big house. You want to come home, call him Father. Just come on down here. If you want to come home, just come on down here. If you want to come home, just come on. Really home. Really home. Really home. Not just changing slave jobs like, okay, now I don't want to be a slave to the world. I want to be a slave to God. No. Do you want to come home? You ready to come home, be a son, be a daughter, come home, come home, come home, come home. Throw your list away, throw your speech away, throw your beggar's garment away. One translation said he came home like he was wearing a beggar's garment. His dad saw him from afar off. We know the blind man, blind Bartimaeus, it says he took his beggar's cloak off. That beggar's cloak gives you a license and authority to beg. You can't be a son and a beggar at the same time. Some of you need to take that cloak off and come home. Quit living life like a beggar. Be a son. Be your daughter. Be holy. Be complete and lacking nothing. Be the head and not the tail. Be overflowing with goodness. If you're in your seat today, just pray where you are. If for any reason you didn't, just, just didn't want to step out, you don't think you need to step out, that's fine. Throw your list away. Everybody that raised your hand, let's just throw our list away. Right in your seat. Can you surrender your list? Right in your seat. Right in your seat. You know what you need to do? It may sound crazy to ask forgiveness for trying to please God, but you need to ask forgiveness for trying to please God. Lord, forgive me for trying to earn your affection. God, forgive me from trying to make you say you're proud of me. God, forgive me from trying to position myself in a way that you'll find delight in me. God, it's been a hindrance to our relationship. It's been a wall that's been between us. And so, God, I repent from strive, for striving today. I repent of working for affirmation. And today I receive. I receive. 
your love, your affirmation, your confirmation, your assurance, your approval. Through Jesus, your son. Amen and amen. So be it. Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Be sure to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Redemption Life.